0: Two of the biggest questions asked in the world are very simple questions, but have way more meaning behind them than anybody can guess. They are why and how. Two separate words, three letters apiece, but have two very strong meanings behind them. You hear these two questions literally from everyone. You hear them from toddlers when they first start to become inquisitive of the world Teenagers, when asking how you know something or why they have to do something. Professors, when you're proving research or proving how you know something. And other adults, whether it's your boss, your parents, you know, whether they just want to know something or they want you to explain it to them because they already know. It's just a big part of life. So, what happens when non believers ask believers those questions about Jesus? How do you know he exists? Why do you believe in him? My name is Cheyenne Black, and this is the Off Kelter Christian. Well, I hope everybody has had an absolutely awesome week. Happy Friday to you. Uh, if you're listening to this on another day, happy whatever day that is, you're listening to it. You know, nothing says you gotta listen to it when it comes out, but I hope you do listen to it at some point. For those of you who are regular listeners, I just wanna give a big thank you to you. You don't have to spend that time with me during the day that you do, but I'm very glad you chose to do so. And I just want to say thank you. We are growing slowly, but, you know, slow and steady wins the race if you read The Tortoise and the Hare as a child. So, like we said in the intro, two of the biggest questions are how and why. You hear him asked a lot. One of the biggest questions from people who may not necessarily believe or have their doubts or know something is out there but aren't sure what it is in the case of one of my friends how do you know he exists some people have had personal experiences miracles happened to them miracles happened to somebody else that they heard the story and it just absolutely moved them and you also hear why do you believe a lot of the responses to this question are i was raised this way you know you grew up in the church. You grew up, you know, Methodist, Catholic, Pentecost, Baptist, non-denom, Episcopalian, whatever. You know, you your, your automatic response was, well, I was raised in the church. Okay, I mean, that's a valid response. It's true. Or a lot of people will say, well, I just do. Like, you know, you never really thought about why you actually believe. And, you know, some people who give those responses... You know, they they have personal experiences that they really don't want to share. They're very personal to them or they may still be very, you know, recent and raw and just don't want to get into the emotional side of that. And that is totally fine. Nobody in the world is making you say why you believe. But oftentimes what I've found, and I've found this in my own experience, is when you walk away from that conversation, sometimes you think, well, why do I believe? How do I know? Is it just because I went to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and went to youth camps or went to youth nights at the church and just that's all I knew? How do I really know? And, you know, if you're questioning it, you know, that's, I want to say it's normal and I may step on toes with that because it's in human nature to question. It's in human nature to be inquisitive and This is, you know, the off-kilter Christian, so we're most definitely not your standard, you know, cookie-cutter Christians. If you have an image of that, great. If not, oh well, whatever. But, you know, I think that part of, you know, how do I know, why do I believe, that that self-questioning is becoming more and more common as time goes on. But, you know, we can fix that. Um, my generation particularly, I'm a very, very early Generation Z. I'm too young to be a millennial, but I am way too old to be a Tide Pod Eater, as I like to joke with my family. You know, we go back to that and, you know, a lot of us were raised in the church, which is cool. You know, I went to the same church pretty much my entire life until I got older and then I started kind of bouncing around, but I never really stopped to think, how do I know? And when I sat down to write this, you know, in the past couple of months, I've really worked on my walk with God, and I've kind of faltered a little bit in recent events. But I've got back on there, got back on the wagon, and I'm going good and going strong. You know, when I sat down the, and when I sat down to write this episode and to plan it, I thought about how I knew God existed, and I have my personal stories, which I'll share later with you. But in order to, you know, really cover what I'm trying to say here without my rambling, you know, we have to make a conscious effort to seek God in our lives. Okay. We can't just pray when something gets hard or when we want something and expect it to happen. No, we have to have that relationship with him, you know, read the Bible, read other texts of, from other people. I've got a couple of them Sitting on my nightstand next to my Bibles and, you know, I listen to different podcasts and I, you know, I, I try to immerse myself in that world at least a couple hours a day because that's my time. That's what I do. And that's what I'm trying to do with this is maybe help people connect a little bit with him the same way that other things have helped me connect. So to move forward so to speak, you know, looking at that conscious effort to build that relationship, I want to share with you a story from the book of Exodus, okay, this is Exodus chapter three, and it is Moses and the burning bush, I'm going to cover chapter three and a little bit of chapter four, okay, so if you don't know the story, uh, this was before Moses parted the Red Sea through the work of God, this was before the plagues on Egypt, and the plague of the firstborn, and the locusts, and the toads, frogs, you know, All the really just nasty stuff that happened. This was before all of that. Okay. So kind of the premise to it. And this is in chapter three. If you've got, you know, pen and paper next to you, I'd write these down. It's a really great story to read. Um, So Moses in the burning bush, Exodus chapter three. While Moses was out tending his father-in-law Jethro's flocks near Mount Harib, he sees a bush burning off in the distance. This was caused by an angel of the Lord, Came down, set fire to the bush, okay? But the bush itself was not, like, actually burning. It was still alive and well and everything was fine. And Moses got curious, said, okay, that's not normal. Let me go look. And he did. God spoke to Moses through the bush, okay? And he asked, you know, God asked him, Moses, where are you? And Moses said, I'm right here. God instructed him to take off his sandals because that was a holy place and God told Moses what he wanted him to do. He wanted Moses to be the one that God's, God used to bring the people out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of all of these horrible, horrible things. And bring them to the land flowing with milk and honey, which is a.k.a. the promised land. Okay. And he wants Moses to be the one to do this. Moses has a wicked strong relationship with God. He has an absolutely steadfast position in his faith. I mean, he went towards the burning bush and when it talked to him, he said, "Hey, yes, can can I help you?" I mean, he he was in my opinion one of the most faithful servants of the Lord and I believe he and don't quote me on this, was the only prophet or servant of the Lord to actually see the Lord's face. Only one. Which is pretty astounding. You know, in all of creation, only one man has ever seen the face of the Lord while he was mortal. You know, that's 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 got to tell you how strong this guy's relationship with the Lord was. Okay? That's got to tell you how devout Moses was in his faith. And that's just amazing to me. So the Lord tells Moses, "Gather the elders gather the Israelite elders and tell them, you know, if they ask who I am, tell them, I said, I am who I am. For those of you that don't know, the Lord is also referenced to as the great I am. So he's like, okay, that's, I can do that. I know the Israelite elders will believe me. We're, we're good there. What about the Egyptians? What about Pharaoh? What what if he doesn't believe me? God said, I've thought about that too. He tells Moses to throw his staff on the ground. This is the first sign, first miracle. And the staff turns into a, a snake. Now, if you're like me, you'd do that and you'd run the other direction. But Moses didn't, stayed there, he said. And then the Lord said, now pick it up by the tail. And he did. And it turned back into a staff. The second sign, if Pharaoh didn't believe what Moses had done, if his necromancers, wizards, witches, whatever you would like to call them, you know, discredited Moses' miracle, he said, reach your hand in your cloak, and he did. And when he pulled it out, it was leprous. Okay? Put it back in, skin disease went away. Moses was like, okay, I, I can do this. You know, let's let's make it work. Well, then... Got through in a failsafe sign, which was take some water from the Nile, just pour it on the ground, and it'll become blood. Which, you know, was the third sign if anything were to happen. So Moses receives the voice; he he hears the voice. He receives the ability from the Lord through the Lord to do these miraculous signs and do these amazing things. You know, and it's pretty crazy. By the way, all of those miracles um, that I talked about are in Exodus chapter 4. I forgot to mention that at the beginning of this, but, you know, Exodus chapters 3 and 4 are kind of tied together for Moses and the burning bush. If you want to look at that story, it's absolutely fantastic. I absolutely recommend it. So, we see later, he performs these signs. Pharaoh doesn't believe any of them. And then we see all the plagues come, then the plague of the firstborn, Pharaoh says, get out. They go, Moses parts the Red Sea, and on their merry way they go. So what was the point of that? Okay, the point of me, kind of giving you the Cliff Notes version of Moses and the Burning Bush from Exodus, is that Moses had that close relationship with God, and he was able to see those signs. You know, he was able to talk to God through a burning bush. He was able to throw his staff on the ground, and it turned into a snake, and then when he picked it back up by the tail... It became a staff again, you know the the water into blood, the leper skin, you know all of those things. He was able to do that because Moses had that close of a relationship with God, and this one hundred percent would not have happened if he did not have that that close of a relationship with him. Okay, so you know this is all about. You know, getting closer to God if you're somebody who's on the fence or doesn't know where to start or you're somebody who got away from the church and got back. In the last few episodes, I have really talked about building that relationship and how crucial that is in your walk with God. You have to build a foundation in order to be successful. Think of it like building a house. You don't start on the roof first. Okay, what does the roof got to stand on? Nothing. Okay, they pour the foundation they lay the pipes. They, they do all that stuff. And then they start working from the ground up. And building a relationship with God is like that too. You know, only then after you do that do you have those experiences. Do you get those those signs or those feelings or even hear him speak to you. And it's it's such a crazy experience. I want to tailor off a little bit and give you guys a few personal anecdotes of my own from my walk with God, you know, from my life. And these are the ones that I remember very vividly that are very significant. So, you know, don't think I've only had a few because I, I promise you I've had more, but these are the ones that I think are the most significant. And these are the ones I remember the most vividly. Um, So about 10 years ago, about 10 and a half years ago, we unfortunately lost my grandmother. She was not in good health. And the night before she passed away, I was I was 11 years old I was I was pretty young I was still in the church I was still pretty deep in my faith and I prayed and I remember praying I looked up and I said God please take her home just she hurts she's miserable just end her pain please take her home that next evening we got the phone call she had passed away he's fleeing her sleep, she wasn't in pain anymore. And while we had to deal with that aftermath, I knew that had happened because I looked up and I asked him to take her home. You know, for a little while I felt guilty because she did pass away. But you know, as I got older, I realized it was the best thing that I could have done for her. Cause I was, you know, I hadn't seen her in months. We knew it was coming soon. I just asked God to, you know, stop her suffering, you know, take that pain that she was feeling kind of put it on my family a little bit with the grief and the loss of a loved one. And, you know, ten years later we've we've moved past it. Everything is great. We we all miss her, we all think about her, but you know, things happen. Ten years later, this is this is in much more recent history, I got back into the church. During this whole COVID-19 business, I've gotten back into the church and I've gotten back into my faith and really kind of pushing forward in what I do and working on getting my life ready to start because I've got a few wonderful things that are coming up here in the next few months. I was sitting on my bed. I'm the only person in my house who attends church service, so to speak, and I have attend and, you know, as, as I say attend, I've got my fingers up doing air quotes because we're all still doing virtual stuff right now. I was watching the service online and it was on Facebook live and I'm sitting there and our pastor, Pastor Mize, said, go on and put your hands up to him and worship him. Well, I did that and I closed my eyes and I just put my hands up and I was worshiping and I felt God wrap himself around me like you would wrap around a blanket around somebody's shoulders. Like, you know, if you see him cold or you would, you know, you're on a date and you're walking your S.O., back to their apartment or something and they get a little cold you put their jack your jacket around them you know how you just kind of drape it over their shoulders that's what it felt like and I remember it because it was just the most surreal thing in the world like my heart skipped a beat but I felt comfort and I felt whole and I talked about it later with somebody from the church and I told him I was like dude I felt him he's like well what do you mean And I told him, I said, I felt this, like God wrap himself around me during that. He said, he wants you to come deeper. He wants you to make your relationship deeper with him. He wants you to come back. And I said, no problem. (laughs) I mean, I jumped headlong into everything else. You know, and then a month after that, it was a Saturday morning, maybe, I don't know but i was laying in bed and i was kind of half in half out i was slowly waking up and i heard my name in my head i heard a male voice say cheyenne and for a second i thought what is a memory of my dad doing okay because it was a real deep voice and my dad he's a he's big guy real deep voice and i thought to myself no that's too deep to be (laughs) dad." and I think it was God who, you know, was was saying Cheyenne, like he was telling me, "Come on, get up," you know, like a dad would say, because you know he is our father. You know, he was saying, "Come on, get up," and I sat bolt upright in bed and I was just sitting there going, "Wow!" And I I remembered it. And I can't. I couldn't tell you the exact tone, like the pit or the pitch, or how deep the bass was. Now, but that I can tell you was the closest I have ever been to God in my life, and it was just so, so surreal, and it was so incredible. I thought to myself, I literally just heard God speak to me. That has never happened before, ever. You know, and so, you know, I I say all that to. To get to this, you know, what, what is the point of all of that? You know, you know, some of you are probably sitting there going, okay, Cheyenne, why are you rambling on about your experiences? I tell you this because they're all, these, these are all 100% true. Okay. 100% true. And they only happened when I had a close relationship with God. Only happened then. Okay. I was 11 years old and I prayed night before my grandmother passed away and he answered that okay then 10 years later shortly after that my family got out of the church because they you know were helping me pursue a dream and I didn't hear squat for the next 10 years because that's my fault you know I you know I I got I got away from church I got away from it all and it just you know that's just kind of the consequences of it you know when I got back into it a couple of months ago It was so crazy because I've experienced those two things in a very short amount of time. But again, I tell you this because I had that close relationship with him during those times. And so he answered. He answers on his own time to begin with. Okay, so I'm not saying if you pray, it's going to be answered the next day. Like in the case of my first story. But, you know, he does answer. You just have to have that close relationship with him you know, God showed himself to me in his own way during those times, you know, same kind of way he did it with Moses. Now, before I go any further, by no means do I consider myself a Moses, okay? I don't want that to get misconstrued into something it's not, okay? But, you know, he showed me signs when I needed them. To prove his existence the same way he did to Moses and the same way, you know, he gave Moses those abilities to prove to Pharaoh that like, hey, your gods don't exist, bud. I do. You know, it's, it's really kind of crazy how he does all that stuff. One verse I want to leave you with today is from the book of Romans. And this is actually one of my uh, favorite verses. I actually, um, fun fact about me is I collect decorative crosses and one of the ones i have that is hanging up on my wall has romans 831 on it and it is if god is for us who can be against us okay and i to me that kind of reverberates because you know i don't know i just to me it fits because you know when you have that relationship with him and you see those signs in you know, you see it all. It just, it makes sense. It's like, well, these things are happening, but I know God exists and I know he's with me. So what what's life going to do? Hit me with your best shot, you know, cute Joan Jet, right? But it's okay, you know, to, to not, you know, be close with him, I guess. I don't know. But it's so much better if you are to me it is so much better like during those 10 years when i was gone like i knew he was there but i didn't have that active relationship where i sought him and i did those things you know if you're somebody that just absolutely does not believe science does not prove this this does not compute then i you know i can't change your mind you know only you can do that but it's so much better if you have that relationship with him because of all of these things that he has done. I mean, there, is literally, there are literally 66 books in bound, that are bound in one volume proving his existence. And there are still marks in Israel and the Middle East today of his miracles. You can actually go to his tomb, y'all. I had a pastor do that once and I saw the pictures and it was just absolutely crazy but you know even if you don't believe my story you know you don't believe my stories you don't believe my testimony or you don't believe my views on it maybe talk to somebody that you're close to talk to a friend who's heavily religious talk to your parents if they're religious aunts uncles grandparents you know godparents you know whatever talk to pastors you know there's there's a million different things that can prove that he exists. You know, I have my personal stories to know that he does. And I guarantee you, I wouldn't be the person I am today if I didn't have those experiences. And I sure wouldn't be doing this, you know, but that's that's a you call. It's always going to be a you call, okay? This isn't called the perfect Christian or how to be the perfect Christian. This is called the off-kilter Christian. Okay, we're not perfect. Nobody in this world is. And, you know, it's okay. But I'm telling you, bottom line, and the whole premise of this is having that relationship with God is the absolute foundation you need to have an amazing, incredible life. And... You know, there's just, there's no other way I can word that. Well, thank you so much for listening to the off Kilter Christian. I do sincerely appreciate the time you give, you know, during the week or your day for, you know, a walk with Jesus or even just a conversation about him, him even if it is one-sided. Uh, for those of you who listen to podcasts and enjoy those things... I encourage you to check out Simplify by L.J. Harry, The Restorationist by Adam Shaw, Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason, and On Top of the Mount with Darren Waddles. These guys, I cannot stress enough how awesome their podcasts are and how really meaningful they are and how enlightening they are, really, on your walk with God. If you are on Instagram, we have an Instagram page. It is at the underscore off kilter underscore Christian. And we have an email that you can send prayer requests to, suggestions. I welcome feedback. It is off kilter Christian at gmail.com. You can send an email. I do have it linked up to my phone so I can respond, look at emails as they come in. Again, I want to thank you for the week, the time of week rather, that you give me. And I will talk to you next week as we walk through this life with, with grace, poise, and a little bit of faith as off-kilter Christians.